Hi, everybody. This is Ken Navarro, and welcome to another edition of my podcast, All About the Music. Today, my special guest is saxophonist Tony Craddock Jr., who you may know from his numerous releases under his own name, one of which I produced a couple years ago called H2O. And on my brand new album, Into the Light, there was one song in particular that I thought Tony's soprano saxophone would be perfect on. It's called Green Chili Stew. And today I invited Tony into my studio to talk about how he played the saxophone parts on Green Chili Stew and how we work together in the studio. So Tony, you're you're recording in your home studio just like me, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here and get to chat about Green Chili Stew and the, the rest of the great work that you just released on Into the Light. Oh, thanks, Tony. Yeah, I'm really glad that you're here to talk about it, too. And and I was particularly pleased that you were part of this kind of landmark album for me and that it's my 25th album. And um, as you probably know, I, I don't really use saxophone on a regular basis, but I was really looking for something that would be a really good vehicle for you to add to this record. And you, you really came through with Flying Colors. Um, oh, thank you. I, I, I've heard your your playing on this at umpteen times, which is, of course, what happens when you're making a record. And I just never grow tired of, you know, that entrance to your solo and the way that we ended it together. And um, there's there's just a lot of cool moments that happened. And uh, and anyway, yeah, I just wanted to talk about some of them. So so just I, you're you're working at home now, right? Yes. Um, thankfully, I'm, I'm blessed to have a job where I can seamlessly um, transfer to 100% telework and have it not impact what I'm doing. So I am c- kind of hunkering down at home right now. Um, so we'll, we'll see how long that lasts, but I'm making the most of it. Yeah, you're in Virginia, you know, and so and I'm in Maryland and between Maryland, Virginia, D.C., we, you know, all three locales basically came to an agreement that you know unless you have some kind of, you got to get food or medicine or an emergency you really aren't supposed to leave home uh so um yeah it's you know we're in the same boat for sure and you you've you know and you've got natalie your very young daughter there too who you were you were telling me it was you know she loved having you there but the one problem was you know working at home but the one problem was that now she doesn't want to take that afternoon nap because daddy's around and let's play right <laughs> right i mean now it's just you know a 24 7 play day for her because she's used to me going to work and coming back right. and now that she has both um danielle and me around the house she loves it and i love that she loves it it's just that we're trying to get her back in the routine of having that afternoon nap and i think now that we're into week three of it we're, we're kind of establishing a routine now so things are yeah outside. exactly that's what it is because she her routine she had her routine and she was comfortable with it and but this new one seemed like even more fun plus it was different and new so right so uh well let, let's jump into talking about the song you know um green chili stew was one of the last things that I wrote for the new album, Into the Light. And um, it, it, I think that I, if I remember right, I wrote, basically wrote it, and then kind of set it aside and came back to it numerous times. Um, 
I, I don't know why it wasn't one of those ones that just kind of got finished, you know, and, and why I had to keep coming back to it. But for some reason I did. But I think it was kind of a good thing because when I came back to it the second or probably the third time, I started playing around with the idea of having saxophone in it. And I think, you know, and that kind of leads me to my first question. I asked you to do this on soprano saxophone. That was my choice. And, and I'm curious, was would that have been your choice too? I think usually when I'm assessing whether or not a song works for soprano or alto, the other horn that I play, mm-hmm. um, I try to keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, I see it 50-50. I think it could have worked on either horn. Mm-hmm. I think for the energy that the song emotes, soprano was a good pick. Um, so I think it could have went either way, but I think you definitely lean the right way. Um, and I, I particularly like playing soprano. So I think it kind of um, worked for me being in a comfort zone, expressing myself as well. So I think it was definitely a good pick for the song and for me. A lot of people would have used the alto just, they wouldn't have even considered the soprano, I think. Right. Uh, because when you have that distortion guitar, what's some call, sometimes called overdrive electric guitar, um, there's kind of a natural tendency, just because it's been done so many times, to, to use the alto saxophone. Um, but I wanted to hear what it would be like on the soprano, and as you know, I particularly like the way you play soprano, and um, and I also think that it's kind of special because for most people, soprano really is a double, and maybe that's how it started for you, but in my mind, soprano isn't a double for you at all. You play it like that's your voice, uh, or certainly, you know, a voice that's just as strong as your alto voice. So. Thank you. You know, we were talking just a little bit there about about the tone of the guitar, the nature of that sort of, um, you know, blues, almost rock guitar sound and style that I used on this. Uh, have you had many experiences where you have had to blend and play with that sort of a guitar sound in a, in a recording or for that matter in a live, section, uh, live uh, situation? Not, not in the studio situation, but it really wasn't much of an issue at all. I, I just focused on the music, um, so to speak, that might be oversimplifying a little bit. But I kind of feel like the pieces c- took care of themselves. You did a great job of kind of providing a, a roadmap of what you wanted me to do. Um, I connected with the music, and then after that, um, my instincts pretty much took over. Yeah. Well, you blended so well. I actually, today, in preparing for this, I I was listening to the final track and just making notes of every place that you played, because you're pretty much in and out the whole song, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're in by, like, the fifth bar or something, and you're, all, you're playing in and out, but you're playing in the very last bar in the fade out, too. But, so I'm listening, and, and I'm going, I think Tony played here. I think I remember him playing here. But I couldn't be sure in a place as whether it was a guitar harmonizing with my guitar or your saxophone because your blend was so transparent, you know. And so I had to actually call up the original recording and take a look at it. And I and I was right in every place where I thought you were playing, but I had to. I wasn't one hundred percent sure. So you, you you couldn't have blended any better. It was pretty amazing. I mean, when we when we were doing the sessions. I guess maybe I was pretty nitpicky about that. I, I don't really remember. 
but I think you came in sounding pretty much like you had really nailed the phrasing of of what the guitar was doing because in all those places I'm talking about you were playing with the guitar like in harmony with the guitar usually sometimes with two guitars right um, so do you remember much about when that was going down what 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 you were doing were you bending notes or were you doing anything that that was a little out of character for what you might normally do in order to make it blend or did it feel like a natural thing just just to play with it I think I had to be attentive to a few details. Um, there were some parts where there was some note bending. I think there were some parts where um, the guitar was doing some distortion and I mm-hmm. had to match my vibrato on mm. soprano to support it. So there was definitely some um, intentional blending there. But I think part of what you're speaking about um, is also a credit to your mixing too. So I, I can't take all the credit for that. I think you you mixed it well so that the um, the blend... Um, came across. So I think that's a credit to, to your work too. And so when, when, you know, at the beginning of the song, um, you know, there's that intro and I play like a, a four bar improvised thing and then you come in for a couple bars and then I play something and then you play the last bar and then then it's into kind of into the tune more or less uh and uh but later in the song you have an out and out solo which man I gotta tell you when when and whenever that starts up and I've heard it I've lost track of how many times I've heard it I just get the same wonderful lift every time, you know. And so I'm wondering, what did you come into that solo with a with a particular concept, or, and if you did, how did you arrive at that concept? Interesting that you asked. So the way it's set up, the solo section is eight bars, and in my mind, it was really only six because the last two bars, the guitar and sax. Um, were playing in, not in unison, but we had a joint part. So I looked at it from the perspective of, okay, I only have six bars. Mm-hmm. I need to get out the gates quick. <laughs> right, so exactly. So I was thinking, you know, what what do I have in my toolkit that I can use to really get out the blocks quickly, so to speak? And um, whatever I did on sax was something that I arrived at that I thought would kick off the solo pretty well. say I did kind of come into the session with some canned ideas usually Mm -hmm. my approach is to see what ideas come to mind and actually most of the idea that I end up recording for the solo funny enough came to me when I was in Safeway um, a few weeks (laughs) prior um, doing some shopping I think I was walking down one of the aisles and I was thinking about the solo the idea came to me and I pulled out my iPhone and just recorded some ideas that wow. I came back to the studio at my house and kind of worked on them. And I said, okay, I think these might work. And then after working through the ideas a little, 
I brought those to the studio and I wasn't beholden to absolutely playing those, but I like to have ideas as a starting point. And then I think we kind of, you know, meandered and, and went some different places, but I would say that intro was definitely planned because when you have a short solo like that, when we were producing my album, um, or, or when you were producing my album, H2O, you were big about emphasizing improvisation as a tool of um, composition. So mm-hmm. I tried to approach right. it that way and understand that, you know, there's a story to tell. I only have six bars to do it. Um, you know, let's get the show on the road. Well, it's really an art unto itself, isn't it? I mean, because it is improvisation. I mean, there's no question that the way you sound in those six bars is the sound of somebody playing live. You know, it doesn't sound like somebody reading something, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. So it's got all that spirit that you look for, you know, in a great improvisation. But like you said, it's it's you know, it's really a, a, a mini mini composition in a way. Um, so it's, 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 and, and I don't really remember, and maybe you can help me because have you being the player in the session, you may have a stronger memory of it than I do, but we kind of came up with those last two bars, the sax part anyway, we kind of came up with it together on the spot, but it was definitely like not something that we figured out exactly. We just kind of played with it and arrived at it. At least that's how I remember. Is is that is that right? <laughs> it was spontaneous. I think yeah. you had considered the idea, but you wanted to run it by me. Mm. And I said, wow, I like it. You know, let's go with it. And then I think it was just a matter of figuring out the harmonies, which I think we took care of in a matter of a couple minutes. So yeah, yeah, we just kind of did it on the spot and did it together, which is kind of cool. I mean, that's the thing about people that are, you know, and I always feel funny about using some of these terms, but jazz musicians, when they're writing, even when they're writing, they're kind of improvising. And then the other place that was interesting, because you had, it happens twice, and you had two parts to my one guitar part, and it's like that background figure, uh, Um, and um, that was another place where, you know, we we were going to do it with two parts, if you remember, was going to be the guitar, and I think on the demo, I probably had another guitar playing a harmony to it. And so I just wanted you to replace that one with the sax. So it was like a duo. And then I guess, I don't know when, or maybe, again, I think it was me. Maybe it was you. I just remember thinking, I hear a third part. That'd be cool. (laughs) And you just pretty much seamlessly came, you know, knew what the third part was. And we threw that in. I just kind of want to piggyback off of what you just said. Um, And I want to thank you again for having me on the song because um, I'm not sure if listeners know, but you produced my last album, H2O, which came out in 2018. And that was, you know, a huge honor because 
our, our relationship had gone back to, I think 2012 or 2013 when you were yeah. featured on my yeah. second album convection. Yeah. So it was amazing to kind of just see our relationship progress over the years, but it's something extra special when somebody you really respect, like I respect you, ask you to be a part of their own work. So, you know, I'd, I'd have you, I'd had you contribute to my work, but when you asked me to return the favor, um, that was extra special. So I just want to thank you one more time for having me, um, as a part of, you know, your, um, storied musical catalog. And, um, you know, if you ever need me again, I'm here. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, we're going to do something else together. Well, yeah. Oh, thanks, Tony. You know, you know that, uh, I know that's from the heart and you know that it, it, it's mutual for me too. Um, and uh, we'll, I look forward to the next chance we get. So on your, your musical world, your next, your next um, musical trip, I, you must be writing some more music and thinking about your next record, right? Yes, absolutely. I'm, I've been really deliberate about um, being patient with this next project. Mm-hmm. I've been writing for probably close to six to nine months but I've also been going through a process of really looking inward, um, fasting and praying and getting direction about where I want to go next because my mm-hmm. next project will be my fourth. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, with each project, you look to not only express where you are um, at that place in time, but you hopefully look to grow um, from the previous projects. So this next project, I can't really say too much about it yet. Um, I am still writing. I might have a single coming out, um, in a few months, but at this point I'm really just taking it song by song and seeing where the music leads me. I do have a hunch that this next project will probably tap more into, um, my R and B and gospel roots. Um, Mm -hmm, maybe a little bit more than my other projects have. Um, I'm just feeling led to go in that direction right now. Um, Does that mean it, it may may be a little harder hitting in some ways, or it'll definitely be very higher energy? Driven. I mean, not that your albums are low energy, but I'm just wondering if that's what you know. If you can elaborate on that a little bit, yes, I think in general the the projects will probably groove a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, not that suggest that the other music hasn't, but it'll be more in the gospel R&B space and what I can say about my songwriting process as a saxophonist I think melodically so Mm -hmm. usually my songs start off with me thinking about um, a melody and most of my songs actually start on keyboard even though that's you know a secondary tertiary no but I think it's I do the same thing and I think it's a great writing technique it takes you outside of your instrument and you always hear that what you might do with the instrument but it gets you writing things that are based they're, I think they're pure, and I think yes. they're also more about what it is you hear rather than what it is your fingers fall into. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that's generally my writing process, um, thinking melodically starting on the keyboard. But with this next project, the songs I've been writing, um, they I've been thinking more rhythmically. So I'm thinking of a, you know, a rhythmic motif, a bass line, and once I have a groove that I'm happy with, then I put a melody over it, which is the complete opposite of the way I've worked in the past. So I think because I'm working differently from a songwriting standpoint, um, the project is going to have a different feel just because the songs were birthed um, through a through a slightly different process. 
Yeah, I, I understand. I th- and by the way, I think it's really great that you're not just looking at it like, I mean, you're saying I may do a single first. That may be what happens first. I'm going to do it song by song. And nowadays that just totally makes sense, mm-hmm. um, you know, just from a lot of standpoints. But I also hear you saying, I'm thinking about an album. I'm thinking about what my concept is. And I'm really taking my time because I want this to mean something and to be a, a story, not just like a, a bunch of pieces that are joined together. But even beyond that, you're saying, I want this, it's my fourth album. I want it to represent properly the next part of my evolution, you know, yes, my sir. next part of my, and see, I think that's really, that's what, that's what an artist does. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I commend you for that. And I, I just think that that's absolutely the right course to be on. And you're right. The music will present itself when you go about it that way. And you're, you're allowing yourself, it's like you're controlling the car, but you're not trying to grip the wheel so hard that it can't go anywhere that it might take you. That might be kind of interesting. If you I like know that what analogy. I mean. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's easy t- when you're trying to put a project together to really want to control it because there are a lot of moving parts to making an album and especially to making a an album that that is 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 really good but if you try to hold on too tight you can sometimes end up not even seeing possibilities that that are presenting themselves but what you're describing sounds like like you're you you've, you've got a real mature approach to it and at the same time, you've got some pretty strong ideas about what it is you want to do um, and the new directions that you want to go in. So once again, thank you so much for being a part of this album and, and just doing such a killer job on Green Chili Stew. And thanks for doing this tonight. And, and you know, I know um, we're it's about uh, 830 or so at night for the two of us. And uh, I'm sure you've had a long work day. And uh, I thought I heard Natalie a few times in there wanting to get to daddy. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, oh, no, I, I, no, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. I, I thought I, we were Mary Bay. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I just, you know, I, it brought back memories of when my daughter, Melissa, who's now 29, but when she was like two, three, four years old, you know, I'd have the door closed to be doing like maybe a recording session and I'd hear her out there just determined to get into where daddy was. <laughs> so, so I sort of imagined that, you know, uh, but uh, but anyway, thanks again, Tony and and uh, wonderful job. And, you know, I look forward to the next time we get together. Absolutely. I, I know it'll be soon. And that was my conversation with a great young saxophonist and a good friend, Tony Craddock, Jr., who played on my brand new album, Into the Light, on my song called Green Chili Stew. So what you're hearing in the background right now is uh, my top 10 song on national radio right now called When We Dance. And uh, again, another of the new songs on Into the Light. If you'd like to pick up an autographed copy of the new album, you can get it right at my website, www.kennavarro.com. And, of course, it's available at Amazon, iTunes, and it's on all the streaming services, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, uh, Amazon Music, and so on. So anyway, um, this is the latest in my series of podcasts uh, for the new album, Into the Light. And I'll probably be doing some more. I'm hoping to interview a couple of the other musicians who played on the record. 
And as soon as I've got those uh, interviews done, I'll be getting them to you right away. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next one. I'm Ken Navarro. Thank you.